Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, here's your host, Steve Zockey. And welcome to the latest installment of the Final Inspection Show. Yes, I'm Steve Zockey, and joining me, it is the Polish Pipe. I'm Jeff Arlowski, and I'd like to thank, of course, support from Great Lakes Dragway. You can get out there today. Uh, as they're having their nitrous street brawl today. And then don't forget, next week they got the Mopar AMC Festival. Uh, your chance to see uh, your uh, Gremlin, uh, the old AMC Rebel, all the great Mopar cars. You bet going down to Quarter Mount at Great Lakes Dragway. And also like to thank our friends at David Hobbs Honda for the best choices in not only uh, new Hondas, but also certified used Hondas at David Hobbs Honda in Glendale. Jeff, how are you doing today? Oh, it's a glorious day, Steve. Uh, as you know, I moved last week. I've got work going on at my old house to get it ready to sell. I'm about two weeks shy of uh, putting it up on the market, and I got an all-cash offer today. So um, really? it, uh, it couldn't be better, I'll tell you that. Well, that is, yeah, that, that I mean, uh as, as somebody who's done a couple of uh, uh, real estate uh, transactions in the day, uh, when, when, when you got the financing all taken care of and that's not pending on financing, that's that's a great relief. So, yeah, you're right now, I would say you're in the catbird seat. So, yeah, very good. I'm very weeks, happy to hear. It's not even done yet. So, you got to yeah. love it. Yeah, it certainly do. And, uh, boy, talk about a busy day today. We have... If, if, if you want, now it's a beautiful day out, it's summer in Wisconsin, it's going to be quite hot, but if you're one of those people that maybe don't like the heat, you can plant your butt on your sofa for eight plus hours today and see wall-to-wall racing today. Just incredible day of racing uh, ready to unfold uh, today and into the evening. We got, well, let's go through, uh, we, we have, uh, and it, it's once again, I, I thank you, NASCAR, or the, our friends in Daytona, for scheduling the, the, the Xfinity race and our friends in Texas uh, right after the show. They called us and said, you guys are done at 2? We said, yes. They said, okay, we'll start the race right after 2 o'clock today. So thank you uh, to NASCAR and our friends uh, Eddie Gossage in Texas for scheduling the Xfinity race right after the show today. So you can seamlessly go from our show 
to watch Xfinity. Then we have IndyCar Racing today. We have NASCAR Trucks today. And we'll be talking in the next hour with Eddie Lapine. Uh, we have IMSA Sports Car Racing from Sebring today. And then tomorrow, we have the Cup Series once again in uh, Texas. And we have Formula One in Hungary. So, I mean, just a full weekend of racing. Uh, I mean, we're in fifth gear when it comes to racing now, aren't we, Jeff? Oh, absolutely. And this is coming off another crazy uh you know, week with uh, the back-to-back Road America for IndyCar. Then you had Kentucky for NASCAR. You had the All-Star Race at Bristol. This is great, and it's uh, it's absolutely phenomenal that it's wall-to-wall racing today and that you have big races tomorrow as well because this is the final weekend where auto racing is the only show in town. we got baseball starting next Saturday, uh, baseball that matters. And... Um, you know, uh, some of the spotlight is, is going to go away from racing, unfortunately. So it's great that uh, they get to showcase the entire day and hopefully, you know, reap, reap some benefits from it. Yeah, this is going to be really interesting. And we're, we'll be talking with Dennis Michelson in the second half of the first hour here. I want to actually kind of talk about how with the pandemic and everything that's going on, how motorsports is handling it and we have the other sports coming into uh you know into play like 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 you mentioned with with baseball we got uh uh, training camps opening up for uh football coming up at the end of the month we have basketball the bucks start i think on the 31st so it's really interesting how this is all going to be progressing i mean for 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 people to think that um you know, there's not going to be positive tests, though they're kind of foolish. So, I mean, it, it's just a part of the game. It's just managing it at this point. And uh, it, like I said, we'll talk more about that coming up with uh, Dennis in the next half hour here. But, yeah, this is really interesting. Uh, you know, last week at Road America, I, I, I talked about it on the Bill Michael Show, and thanks to Radio Joe Zanzola and Tim Allen, who was sitting in for Bill on Monday having me on. And we, we talked about... Um, road america a bit and how they were handling it and you know like a a track like road america is the optimum place to to have a race like uh in 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 a situation that we have now large track four mile track lots of places two social distance uh fans can spread out and uh really enjoy the week in which they were doing uh the mask uh percentage i would say was 40 percent full-time but when you know when, when when there were groups of people together, or if you went into the the Pedock store at Road America, that masks were mandatory. And, you know, it makes sense. And you know, I, I thought it was a really um, nice event. And you know, you you hear these stories on the news where some guys yelling at another guy for not wearing a mask or for wearing a mask. And there was none of that. I didn't at least on my, from from my side of it. I didn't see any, you know, glaring looks at people or or people kind of, you know, giving them the stink eye for either wearing a mask or not wearing a mask, whatever. It was just a very, very nice weekend, uh, Jeff. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And, you know, it's nice that uh, the the fans in Wisconsin, you know, act like adults. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, if you're comfortable wearing a mask, wear a mask. If you don't want to wear a mask, don't wear a mask, with the exception of, you know, like you said, the paddock store and stuff like that, where you're wall-to-wall people, and uh, and then, you know, just, just put it on. But, uh, but yeah, you know, act like an adult. And, uh, 
you know, like you said, we'll talk with uh, with Dennis about short track racing. You know, I think it's the same thing. I'm not a big fan of the mask mandate. Uh, I think if you're comfortable without one, you should be able to uh, to to go on without one. But uh, if you want to wear one, then good for you. But I'll tell you this, as a fan of sports, um, it didn't bother me watching these races with no fans in the stands. But to sit there and watch the back-to-back races at Road America with, with fans all over that track was phenomenal. And then Wednesday uh, with the All-Star Race in NASCAR, even though it was only 30,000 at Bristol, that uh, it, it, it was nice to see Butts back in the seats and to hear the fans. A uh, question for you. And I, and I got some feedback. Okay, we had the, the All-Star Race, and we'll talk a little bit more of that in a moment here when we come back from break here in a second. Um, the crowd sounds, was was that amplified somehow? Because I had, I had a couple people, I had a couple text messages, and Susan, my wife, mentioned it as she was walking through it. She sounds, that, that sounds, what, what, what's going on with that crowd noise? Was, yeah, you think I'm, they were, I'm were they sure tweaking that amplified. a bit? Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I don't have a problem with that. You know, when you've got a track, and granted, Bristol is is tiny, you know, a, a half-mile track, but you only have 30,000 people in there, and uh, there's no way it's going to get that loud, especially because when mm-hmm. you looked at the stands during the race, there was some decent social distancing going on. And first of all, what the hell is social distancing? Shouldn't it be physical distancing? Social distancing, they kind of, it's like jumbo shrimp, you know, it's kind of opposite of each other, (laughs) but that's neither here nor there. But, uh, you know, it had to be amplified. And, you know, I don't care. Baseball said they're going to sit there and pipe in uh, video game noise from uh, MLB The Show this year. Right. So I don't have a problem with it. It, it, You know, it makes the, the viewing experience better. But like I said, it was nice to see butts in the seats. Well, and let's face it, the Vikings and the Seahawks have been doing it for years, so, you know. Absolutely. Yes, they have. <laughs> yes, they um, have. You know, I, I, I miss, you know, I, I want to think that I was a pioneer when it comes to social distancing because, you know, it's great that the Brewers, you know, two straight playoff appearances, the the, the, the franchise is in a, in a good place and that. But uh, a part of me kind of doesn't mind the Wendy Seelig previews of the of the early 2000s when you could basically walk up to a game, walk right in, and and sit in a section, you and a couple buddies, and you were the only ones in that section. <laughs> you don't have to worry about crowding or spread yourself out and enjoy the game. <laughs> no, I agree. I, I, you know, growing up in Chicago, uh, you know, yes, I'm a Cubs fan, but I went to a lot more Sox games than I did Cubs games because you could walk up, get a six or eight dollar seat and the last row of the upper deck. And in the second inning, you're, you're five rows off the field because no one was there. It was phenomenal. And, uh, you know, it, it is nice. And, uh, you know, I kind of get jealous when you, when you're flipping the channels on a Sunday during football season and you read about or hear about or see on TV, the empty seats at like Jacksonville and, yes. and some of them stadiums that where the teams really have problems drawing. And uh, it's like, well, you know, I wouldn't have to drop 12 grand every year for uh, giving the Packers for season tickets when you could just walk up game day 
if uh, if you wake up and and have an inch an itch to go watch some football and and drink some beers with your buddies in the parking lot and just walk right in. So right. kind of makes me jealous. Yeah, and uh, well, I tell you what, let's take a quick break, and I want to talk about uh, the the um, I almost called it the Winston. Uh, the all-star race at Bristol uh, coming up next. You're listening to the Final Inspection Show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Make sure you get out there uh, this uh, today. We have the Nitrous Street Brawl going on uh, today at Great Lakes Dragway. And the next week, don't forget, it's the Mopar AMC Festival at Great Lakes Dragway all weekend. A lot of fun stuff out there. And when we come back, we're going to talk more NASCAR on the Final Inspection Show. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Hey, welcome back to the Final Inspection Show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove along with our friends at David Hobbs Honda in Glendale. And uh, some sad news to report. Um, a driver who, let's face it, was known for his name. Uh, one of the last drivers uh, uh, from... NASCAR's 1950s uh, passed away, and that's Dick Passwater. Originally from Indianapolis, uh, was living in Sarasota, Florida, passed away at age 93. And Dick Passwater, of course, with his uh, uh, unique name, actually won a NASCAR race at the old Charlotte Fairgrounds in the mid-50s, but also was known uh, for the, uh, the, the, the gearheads and that. He was the last driver to drive a Studebaker, and national competition, uh, drove a Studebaker in 64 and I think 1965 uh, on the USAC stock car series, which included the Milwaukee Mile. He drove a couple times on the Milwaukee Mile with a Studebaker uh, GT Hawk, I think it was, uh, in um, 65 at Milwaukee, number 33, if I recall. I think it was a, a burgundy car. And I know... Uh, uh, shocking news to uh, uh, Jeff, uh, who had uh, didn't you have a Dick Passwater T-shirt? What well, you used to wear to the, the races occasionally? I did. And, yeah. uh, you know, I I know you I I know you know this, but uh, before I uh, changed my name to the Polish Pipe Bomb, I was uh, Dick Pass Beer, and uh, oh, okay. that uh, that yeah, that's that's on my birth certificate, Dick Pass Beer, and. Uh, but I switched it uh, to the Polish pipe bomb. I thought it fit it fit me more. But uh, seriously, uh, Dick Passwater later be- uh, was an engineer, uh, just a really uh, inter- interesting fella, and um, uh, sadly uh, passed away at age 93 last week. So condolences to the family. Uh, talking NASCAR uh, again, and uh, the the. All-Star Weekend, we wanted it at Bristol. We've been uh, petitioning and uh, endorsing that move for many years on this show, Jeff. And I, I guess, I, I, you know, meh. It was, you know, Chase Elliott wins over Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick. Um, you know, Ryan Blaney kind of dominated the beginning of the race. And then uh, Chase Elliott came and dominated the last basically, what, 60 laps, I think it was. Four was it four segments? I mean, what else can we do? I mean, is is the it kind of like race. the yeah? I mean, what, it sucked. T- yeah, it sucked. And uh, NASCAR, for you know, this isn't something that was flipped from Charlotte last minute. Last NASCAR looked completely unprepared 
for the race at Bristol. Yes, they had PJ one in the high line, which never really came in. It looked like Bristol of a few years ago when it was just boring one lane racing. If it wasn't for Michael McDowell taking out Bubba Wallace and then Bubba's, um, you know, emotional response afterwards uh, towards uh, Michael McDowell, there would have been absolutely nothing to talk about. Yes, it's great for the sport that the most popular driver, Chase Elliott, wins. Weeknight race, Bristol, blah, blah, blah. The underglow lights was a complete flop. They looked stupid. It just, it was not very entertaining, and they did not set up the track right. They looked unprepared. It, it, it seems frustrating that everything NASCAR does uh, as of the last few years is, is, is more toward gear, toward, more towards gimmick instead of fixing the cars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, the, 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 the lights is a perfect example of that. What did you think of it? To me, it was stupid. Well, when he initially said it, I, I had it was my understanding it was going to be around the whole car, which okay. But I understand there's a, an engineering issue with that because the cars are all sealed up underneath, and they don't want these things hanging down below. Fine, but I'm like it, having it just at the back looked. I mean, if they had them all the way around all four sides, okay, I understand that. It looked just like, I, I, you know, I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want, even though I'm not, I don't want to be the, hey, boomer type thing. But, I mean, it's like, okay, why? You know, I mean, okay. I, and then they had to explain it. Well, one's for each manufacturer or whatever. And it's like, well, okay, so. Yeah, I mean, it was just, it was a complete dud. And you, you remember when, I think it was NBC, and they had that blue the dot uh, on the puck for yes. hockey that's what i was thinking the same thing for for people who mm-hmm. you know to follow the the game of hockey and, and try to get people into hockey and that was a complete dud as well this just fell flat on its face i just thought that they could have set up the track better to get more side-by-side action and you know the bubba wallace michael mcdowell thing happened in segment one so the last three segments was just a a, a complete snooze you know, I, I just I, I have a vision of a kid about twenty seven years old, full of energy and pep, with the big hair, the big hair on top of his head really cut short on the sides, with the narrowed pants and a tight suit on, walking into the walking into this boardroom with all these guys saying, I got a great idea. We put these neon things to kids in LA. They all have this stuff on their cars. We'll put this on the cars of the race cars. The fans will love it. And the guy's going, all right, fine. What's it going to cost us? We'll take care of that. You know, and it just got pushed through. You know, I mean, it, it just, I, I just don't understand it. You know, let, let's, it, I, it's frustrating. I, I keep going to back to this. Go watch Bristol in 1985 where you can put, and we've been talking about this on this show for years, especially with Dennis, when they can get air underneath the cars, and it's it's all about the mechanics of the car instead of the arrow. And these cars are still have too much arrow, you know. I mean, yeah. for years and years, I heard criticisms of the NASCAR saying, 
well, you know, our, our racing is better because we don't have, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're not limited to the aero like the Indy cars are, this and that. Well, now they've turned these cars into basically Indy cars with so much aero, and they're so sensitive now. And when you, when it's just like the Indy cars, when you get behind the car, the front end washes out, and you can't make a pass. Well, and when you're running on a half mile short track like Bristol, there is absolutely no reason why aero should come into play at all. Mm-hmm. It should be how your car is set up, aggressive driving, trying to make all the moves that you can to get as far forward as you can. And they're worried about aero on a short track. Steve, it's a complete joke. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it really is. And, uh, you know, I mean, sometimes these things just play their way out. And, you know, the All-Star Race, I thought, you know, Wednesday, okay, I like this middle of the week. It's Bristol. And, you know, I'm doing stuff around the house. I'm going, oh, my God, the old. I'm missing the, I missed the open, you know, I didn't miss it, but I turned it on. I missed the first few laps because I had totally forgotten about it. It kind of, you know, it wasn't something I was like pinned in my head. Like, I, I got to watch this thing. You know, I watched it. And I'm like, okay, you know, here we are, you know, okay. And that's the sad thing, especially yeah. when you're on prime time, middle of the week, there isn't, you know, really anything else going on. And for them, you know, and obviously you're a huge racing fan, but for it not to be, you know, for you not to wake up and say, oh, it's All-Star Day, you know, is a problem. And it's a consistent problem with NASCAR. They don't don't market it right. And, uh, like, you know, I uh, thank God that I've got it set up that anything that, that has NASCAR and the title records on my TV, because, you know, I woke up and I'm like, yeah, you know, okay, I, it's all-star race night, you know, and I, I was looking forward to it. I was excited that it was at Bristol, uh, something different. Charlotte got annoying and, and old going to the same track over and over and over again. So I, I thought it was, it was a nice change of pace, but, Again, it it fell flat. Well, you know, we we mentioned this in when did NASCAR come back? Early May. When was uh? Yeah, I think it was, and they had a unique opportunity where they could really show the world, and they could mm-hmm. really like come out with a bang. Uh, all attention was going to be on them, and I think they really dropped the ball. I mean, you look especially they released the ratings here. Uh, Wednesday's NASCAR All-Star Race averaged uh, 2 million viewers in FS1, the smallest audience for the event since at least 2003. Viewership fell 15% from last year and 16% from 2018 when the race uh, took place and scheduled in May. And, you know, there's, two, there's you know, well, those, some may say, well, it was on a Wednesday night. Well, yeah, but in, in a way, though, with the pandemic and everything going on, maybe they, they, they should have been higher, you know, as opposed to, you know, the third weekend or second or third weekend in May, depending on the, you know, the calendar falls, you know, on that Saturday night, because that's when people really start getting, you know, to get outside under normal circumstances in May. So, I mean, they should have beat their, their ratings from last year. Yeah. You know, Saturday night is usually, Friday and Saturdays are the worst nights for TV. 
which is why the Super Bowl and all huge events are on Sunday because that's the biggest night. But Wednesday is a good night for them to have an event like that and for the ratings to be so awful. You know, it's just, uh, again, you know, like you said, they, they definitely dropped the ball on it and everything. And uh, I, I'm, I'm sure we'll get into it with, uh, with Dennis. It, it sucks because Kentucky was so good. And after that race at Kentucky, you know, when you're watching the last two laps and you're sitting there screaming in your living room, holy Cole Custer, and then for them to follow it up with a complete dud, just very disappointing. Some other news uh, that, that kind of leaked out. Uh, Michael Knight, who's been in racing for probably almost 40 years, started as a teenager, uh, PR guy, uh, mostly in IndyCar, but has worked uh, not only IndyCar, but also NASCAR. Uh, he tweeted out that it looks like uh, Phoenix uh, Raceway will again host the NASCAR Championship weekend in 2021. So it looks like, uh, once again, Phoenix will be, they'll end the season uh, in, in Phoenix in 2021. So, uh, yeah, what says you on that better than Homestead? Uh, you know, Homestead is, is to me by far the best mile and a half track because of the multi tire fall off. It's got, uh, you know, pretty much everything that you're looking for while still a cookie cutter mile and a half track. Uh, and you know, Phoenix, for the most part, it has, has been entertaining, but, you know, it's like all tracks. You know, some of the races are phenomenal, and you're going to remember them for a long time, and then some of the races, it's, it's a struggle to stay awake. So it depends on how they set up the track, if, they're, if they hit it right, or if, uh, if it's just a complete swing and a miss like it was uh, at Bristol a couple of days ago. Well, let's talk about Texas coming up here after the break. When we come back, you're listening to the Final Inspection Show brought to you by legendary Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs Honda. When we come back, we're going to talk to Dennis Michelson, talk about some NASCAR, and then uh, in the next seg- following segment, I want to talk about uh, how basically you know motorsports in general, along with the short tracks and that, are handling the, the COVID-19 uh, pandemic and the social distancing. And, and also, I want to talk about the Indianapolis 500, where there was a kind of a, a little bit of a caveat dropped. And uh, if you read between the lines, uh, may cause some concern. So uh, we'll have a lot more news and, 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 and racing coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. Final Inspection. Final Inspection. Now... Dennis Michelson of D-Mike Media is here to give us the inside track on NASCAR and the world of short track racing. Yeah, welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, and along with Jeff Orlowski of the Polish Pipe Bomb. Dennis Michelson, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Great to be here. Happy yeah, birthday it... to D-Mike Media, Dennis. Yeah, it's two years ago uh, today. That the brand was uh, was launched, and uh, so, yeah, thank you very much for that. Yeah, if you hear some background noise, we have a storm coming through, and and the cat is protesting the thunder. <laughs> <laughs> I'm protesting too. It took me away from the smoking section. <laughs> yeah, she she is not happy about this uh, storm. So, um, yeah. So Venice, uh, Texas, and. Uh, 
you know, the bad news, uh, you know, fantastic. We got racing. We got eight hours of racing today with not only NASCAR, but IMSA and IndyCar tonight in Iowa. But the bad news, oh, Kyle Busch is in both the truck race and the Xfinity race. <laughs> is that well, a problem or not as much of a problem as it, as it has been in the past, isn't it? Well, you know, I don't know. It's it's like, you know, a man playing with boys. I almost uh, think it's like uh, having Mike Trout show up and play t-ball with the, mm-hmm. with the little kids. Because, you know, years ago, when guys would come down from the Cup Series to the Bush Series or the Truck Series, they were competing on even ground because they owned the team. They were spending the same amount or less amount of money to field a truck or a car than the regular bush and truck teams were. So you had a, an even playing field. There's no doubt that Kyle Busch Motorsports in the truck series has always been the dominant team. And they, and they are because they spend more money than the typical truck regular teams. And I say that, and I can say that with the surety because I have helped some young drivers try to rent trucks, and the price tag to rent a Kyle Busch Motorsports truck is about twenty-five to thirty thousand dollars more per race than another leading team that rents rents trucks out, and you know fifty thousand more than than one of the back markers. So when you see those disparities, you know they're spending more money. So they could be dominant. So you've got a cup driver in dominant equipment. If he doesn't win, it's an embarrassment. So I, I'm not so sure what it's doing for the sport right now to have him come in and, you know, beat up these guys because the the talent level of the regulars in the Bush and, well, Xfinity now, show my age, the Xfinity and the Truck Series now is nowhere near how it was when a Mark Martin would show up and, and you know, race 12 times a year, the old Winn-Dixie car, right. it, it's changed a lot. And you can see it because there hasn't been a regular Xfinity team that has won a championship that isn't affiliated in Cup. And, and it's been a long, 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 long time since that has happened. So it's the disparity and it's the lack of talent because – there really isn't any driver development. It's who's got a paycheck or who's got a, uh, you know, can pay the, the fee or can bring the sponsors to go race. Yeah, I don't I don't like criticizing young drivers, but uh, we've mentioned them in the past, Jeff and I, and I don't think I've brought up the subject with you, but is Riley Herbst going to win a race this year? Oh, man, he's he's been a disappointment in my Very much so. Because, because again, he's got the best equipment. And if you've got the best equipment and you can't get it done, there's a big problem. Well, it seems like with him, you know, he, he okay, he, there, there's a significant amount of pressure under him to begin with, being in the 18 car oh, in the Xfinity Series. Yep. And now he, he had some bad runs early in the season. And now it seems like he's pressing too hard. And now he's making mistakes. And it, it's, it's just... It's not looking good at all, and now I think it's 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 in his head now. I think. Yeah, it's kind of like the Ricky Stenhouse factor from years mm-hmm. ago, where finally 
Roush had to pull him out of that ride and let him sit for several weeks. And all of a sudden he came back and he, he had, you know, a whole different outlook on life and was able to, to race a lot better. Sometimes when you start pressing, you, you start being a, a detriment to your development. So it's, you know, it's just another one of these cases where these guys come up through the ranks so fast and they don't have, they don't have a, a track record really established of being a dominant force at the low levels before they come to the higher levels anymore. And, you know, when you do that, you're just thrown up there against some pretty stout competition as far as level of cars. And if you can't get it done with the best car at the track, then all the eyes are on you. You know, this is so different than look at what's happening in Cup now in the Rookie of the Year. Now, mm-hmm. Reddick, who is not in the best car in the in the division, not with the best team, is outperforming the other two rookies consistently that are in top-notch equipment with top-notch teams. You know, I guess you could say Christopher Bell isn't, but he really is because he's affiliated with, with the, uh, the Gibbs team. But you've got these other two rookies in great equipment getting outperformed. And I know the Colt Custard won a race the other day. <laughs> but, you know, it's still, if you look at their overall performance of who's been the most consistent week in, week out, it's been Tyler Reddick. And that same thing transfers over to the Xfinity side with with uh, Riley Herbst. And, and you look at him and go, not only is he not winning, but he's not finishing some of these races. And it's and it's mainly his fault. It's not like bad luck, you're getting caught up in anything. This is kind of like reminding me already, I mean, probably will not go that way, but it's reminding me a little bit of the John West Townley syndrome. From well, it reminds me of the Noah Gregson uh, as well. when you know, in phenomenal equipment and then uh, just – kept having disappointing finish after disappointing finish. And then he couldn't get out of his own way and was making tons of mistakes. I still don't think that, uh, you know, yes, I know he's won a race or two, but he's still not living up to expectations and he still doesn't have the results uh, that he should with the equipment that he is in. So it, uh, you know, it, it's widespread where some of these guys come up and they have the names and they have the, uh, the backing and they have the equipment and all that. And for one reason or another, they just uh, come up short on a very consistent basis. Well, and but you saw after, who would have well, thought you... that Chase Briscoe at the beginning of the season, when he said he was going to win eight races and, uh, you know, raise your hand if you didn't roll your eyes when he said that, and anybody that doesn't have their hand up is lying. Uh, <laughs> it looks like he's going to live up to it. Yeah. Well, him and Austin Sindrick, I mean, you, you have to really kind of tip your hat to Austin Sindrick because there's a fellow who we, we, we knew he had talent. Yes, he had very good backing. His his dad runs Penske Racing. However, though, every series he raced in, and he raced in a variety of series until basically he outsized himself because of his height and open wheel, and, and he's racing stock cars, and you're seeing a continual progression. And then this last week, sweeping the races at, at Kentucky, I mean, the kid has really kind of stepped into his own, but you can see the steady 
step by step by step, almost week by week improvement along with him and Chase Briscoe. Whereas with somebody like uh, you know uh, Noah Gregson, you know he walks through the you know, garage area and, and people start looking down at the car. They don't even want to look at him eye to eye because he, I, I, at least in my opinion, he doesn't really have the respect of the fellow drivers. And we saw that last week with, uh, you know, him and, and Harrison Burton going at it. And I'm sure everybody was cheering for Harrison in that little clash <laughs> that they had after the race. So, you know, it, it's, you know, and, and, and I can understand why he's doing it. Because he looks at Ross Chastain, who's another driver who drives like a bowling pin at times, and he's running the most races of anybody now in in NASCAR between the truck, you know, you know, truck and Xfinity Series and part time in the Cup Series. So he's he's like, well, he's doing it. Maybe I can do it. So I understand that. And these young drivers, you know, we we mentioned this before too, uh, Dennis. You know, the old the, the the guys that came through ASA that worked under old cars. Definitely had a different yeah. way of driving. The Ted Musgraves, Mark Martins, Rus- Rusty Wallace's, and that, and some of these guys from the South, you know, who just well, well, who yeah. drive through people. Yeah, it, well, even you know, more modern era. You know, look at Matt Kenseth. You know, mm-hmm. he was he came up through uh, the logic that if you if you screw up the car too much on Friday night, you're not racing on Saturday night. And those guys come into Cup racing a whole lot different it's not that they won't put a bumper to somebody you know it's it, that's not it it's it's just measured aggression and man talking about austin Cindric, i've been watching that kid he was like 14 running you know global rally cross and running the uh the imsa development series uh, in sports cars anything that kid ever got into that if, if it had four wheels he was winning races in it the kid's mm-hmm. just a, a tremendous driver. You're right. He, he was originally slated to come up through more of an open-wheel run, but then got into uh, running just about anything. And and there's just no way that, you know, his talent wasn't going to eventually emerge. The longer races and, you know, the oval racing, uh, I think, slowed him down a little bit in his development, but now he's getting it. And it's like as soon as that switch flips um then you're on a roll and that's where he is right now and chase briscoe man he's he's uh you know i expected him to have a good season but i didn't expect him to be this dominant i you know in this era when you can be dominant and there's some other cars out there that are comparable or better equipment than what you're driving and you can perform outperform them um that's got my instant respect and you know maybe he's the next tyler reddick you know who, who will outperform what we expect from him and and have a nice little up, upwardly mobile uh, career here um despite not being you know set up to have absolutely the the best of the best funding uh going forward steve zotke here on the final inspection show along with the polish pipe bomb jeff orlowski and dennis michelson joining us on the great midwest bank hotline and I just want to revisit uh, Kentucky last week and, and that la- that pass, that four-wide pass. And, I mean, that's everything that is good in NASCAR racing where you can have guys fighting for the lead 
and 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 Custer putting himself in a position and taking an opportunity and running with it, and yet you don't have to crash the field. We don't need a yellow flag and everything. We can just have a, a fantastic race to the finish. And I, I that was a wild finish and and probably one of the best finishes I've seen in a long time in, in NASCAR guys. It was a phenomenal finish, but let's not uh, let's not sugarcoat it, Steve. Kevin Harvick would have been. Uh, sitting in victory lane if he didn't get completely door slammed first by Martin Truex and then by Ryan Blaney. So, Mm -hmm. you know, granted the field didn't wreck and a lot of that had to do with uh, where he got hit, you know, basically square in the door, you know, totally just just side slammed. But, um, you know, Kevin Harvick should have won that race. That does not take anything away from what Cole Custer did, those final two laps was edge of your seat, scream at your TV action. It was absolutely phenomenal for him, especially as a rookie. And like you said, Dennis, you know, he's not uh, had the finishes for the equipment that he's in. For him to step up and win a race in his rookie season, not only is it very rare, but again, Anybody, you know, raise your hand if you had uh, Cole Custer winning a race before Christopher Bell. And, again, if you see somebody with their hand up, they're lying to you. Oh, I have that one. I have that one. I don't think that much of Christopher Bell moving up into the Cup Series. I expected him to be struggling quite a bit this season. Um, But I would not have had Tyler Reddick performing as well as he has this year. Cole Custer, I expected some pretty good things out of him because he's in great equipment and he is a pretty talented driver. It's just a matter of getting to the finish sometimes. What we've seen, yeah, this was a lucky move by him, gutsy move. Lucky, I say, because he had to be in the, he had to have everything else happen to make that move pay off. And he did, as you mentioned, with the door slam. But as soon as he committed to that, he did it. And that was like, you know, that was fictional days of thunder type action going to the outside four wide on that restart and making it work without losing control and then able to just keep uh, going and, and, you know, use that pass and and not get caught. He's been coming on the last three or four races. I was mentioning on our power rankings over at, uh, at front stretch that I was, I was getting set to move, somebody out of the top 16 and and Cole Custer was the guy that I was thinking was earning the right to be up there and he certainly did did it and completed that with that wonderful pass and the wonderful win he certainly has it's time for a quick break here when we come back I want to talk about uh, some of the changes and and, uh, tweaking of schedules that's been occurring recently and uh, get 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 the boys uh, their opinion on the Indianapolis 500 that's coming up here in a few weeks with the COVID-19 uh, pandemic going on. Now we'll have more coming up right after this on the Final Inspection Show. Final Inspection Show, Steve Zotke, along with the Polish Pipe, I'm Jeff Orlowski, and joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline is Dennis Michelson. And uh, some news uh, breaking from my friend uh, Dave Scoggin in uh, Indianapolis. It mentioned uh, on um, NHRA, it is announced that 
uh, Denver and Brainerd uh, NHRA events have been postponed, and they're adding a third Indianapolis date at uh, Lucas Oil Raceway in Indianapolis now for August. And then this one kind of uh, uh, is is kind of alarming to me if you kind of read between the lines. Now, just this uh, a couple days ago, they announced that the uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the memorabilia show that's held before the Indianapolis 500, along with the uh, uh, Indy 500 Old Timers Banquet downtown. Uh, those were canceled this year. And um, um, uh, Mark Miles, the president and CEO of Penske Entertainment, uh, spoke about IndyCar and you know with them being in Iowa. And he kind of said that it, it, it's we're, you know we're still trying to figure out. He, he said what the new normal looks like in that. But he also kind of gave a caveat where. Well, yeah, we, we, we plan on having the Indianapolis 500 with 50% attendance. We want to have the Indianapolis 500 50% attendance. We also kind of gave the caveat providing the city and the state government, you know, say is it's okay, we're still going to kind of follow their guidelines and that. And, you know, with these spikes, uh, Dennis, uh, occurring in, in some areas and that, and, you know, there's, of course, there's so many layers to this. You know, spikes in cases, but how much in hospitalizations, you know, this, that, and the other thing. But that, or should we be concerned that, uh, you know, as these spikes continue, are we, are we going to start losing some more events uh, this summer? Yeah, I think we are. Um, I'm sad to say, but I think we are. I mean, look at stuff that's way out in the future uh, being canceled, like the Rose Bowl Parade and, you know, different states telling football teams, both college and, and pro, that they can have the games if they want, but they can't have fans. Or here in Illinois, uh, University of Illinois can only allow around eight to 10,000 fans in the stadium. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of cancellations, a lot of changes. Um, and, and I'm not one to live in fear over all this stuff. But with all that's going on, I decided I wasn't going to Indy this year. And that's a big, big decision for me because I love being there. But the fact that it's not going to be the event that it usually is, because it to me, the whole event, the whole, all of the, the pre-race, all of that stuff, the build-up to it, and carb day, and all of the things that make that event special the month of may is the month of may and having the month of may or part of the month of may in august to me is just not going to be enough of the same to to get me back there this year um plus some work things you know i don't want to take any chances of being in big crowds um sure. you know kind of owe it to to the, the guy signing my paycheck so there's a lot of that sort of stuff that's going on that I think we'll ripple down to people making those decisions and then sporting events making the decisions of, man, it's just not worth it. Um, the uh, Ultimate Frisbee League that I, I uh, call games for from the Chicago Wildfire, they ended up having to cancel their whole season. And the reason wasn't that they were fearful of a second outbreak. It was they couldn't get insured. They could not oh, okay. get the insurance liability that they needed and I think you're going to see a lot of the smaller events the same sort of thing. I mean, we've already seen the Kings Royal at Eldora canceled. 
you're going to see a lot of these smaller events, but, you know, big events to the short track world, but smaller events end up getting canceled. That's a shame. Yeah. Jeff, what about you? Well, you know me. Uh, I definitely, you know, don't live in fear. I'm a fierce anti-masker, all that. I've got no fear. They could have it 100% attendance, and I'd show up with no mask on and, and ready to party. So it, it's fine for me. My fear is the fact that we don't even have uh, reliable numbers. You know, you yeah. hear about the explosion and all these cases and all this kind of stuff. And then you read about how many different places in Florida, you know, one of the quote unquote hotspots now are reporting 100 percent positive because the places aren't reporting their their negative tests and stuff like that. So when you can't even believe the numbers that are coming out and whether they're accurate or whether they're inaccurate, it makes it almost impossible for them to schedule some of these huge events. And that's my yeah. concern is, you know, we don't even know what the heck the truth is with, with the numbers. And, and that's what a lot of this stuff is being based on. Yeah, it certainly is. And uh, we're coming up on the break, Dennis. Uh, what's the latest at frontstretch.com? Uh, frontstretch, uh, oh, my goodness. Just so much content uh, there. They brought on a new marketing guy. 2021 is going to be amazing. That What Tom Bowles and the staff have done over there is, is simply amazing. Of course, I was one of the founding members of Frontstretch way back when in uh, 2000. And I'm so proud of what the new management has done with that. And I'm so proud to be there every Wednesday with my Power Rankings article. Good stuff, as always. And uh, when we return, uh, Jeff and I are going to talk a little IndyCar racing as IndyCar Series is in Newton, Iowa, at the little racy uh, 0.8-mile track in uh, Iowa, Iowa Speedway. So uh, tune in for more. And plus, uh, we'll have Eddie Lapine, three questions with Larry. So a lot of good stuff coming up on the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove and David Hobbs Honda. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.